week, we're talking, of course, about Barbenheimer. I'm going to talk about remastered television and our weekly red. And now, your host, Mike Intaglio. What is up, team? Welcome to K&M Geekly. Just a sneak peek at two geeks talking about some of the things got them through their week, getting them through this week. I hope you join us. I hope you don your pink. Can't wait to talk to you, buddy Keith. Uh, how are you doing, my friend? I'm, I'm hanging in there. I'm doing okay. Went out of town this weekend. It was very nice. I know, Keith. Leaving your house is a big deal. You want to tell us about your trip? Anything special? I mean, I'm, gonna, I'm, see I'm the saving sites? it for my weekly rad. He's I'm saving, saving it for his rad. rad, buddy. All right. Well, I have the big news of the week. You ready for it? I'm ready, Keith. I was I was doing real good. I, I've been trying to like get outside in the sunshine and mm-hmm. and exercise and and get back into it. And all was going fairly well. And then uh, we were going to breakfast, and I did the thing. I fell down the steps, Keith. It's my first tumble down the steps. It was the old socks and carpeted steps fiasco. And yeah, I have to say that- It wasn't one of your cats trying to trip you because they are merciless trying to trip you down those steps. No, Uh, but it was, you know, back in the day when you would fall or tumble, you would think, you know, when you were a kid and young and supple, your, your inner monologue would say, tuck and roll or nothing. It would just wait. It'd be like, okay, tuck your chin and just wait for it to be over. Now I have different life-saving inner monologues. As I began the fall, uh-huh. all, all my head kept saying was, don't break your arm, don't break your arm, don't break your arm. So I, I just- So you broke your leg instead. I just stuck, I just stuck my arms up in the air and, <laughs> just, and proceeded to like just bounce so hard on my butt cheek. My left butt cheek is absolutely tenderized. You could make oh, no. a heck of a burger out of this thing right now. Because I just pounded it. Um, but yeah. You can make a heck of a burger out of Mike's ass because it's already been pounded. There you go. <laughs> I think ostensibly that's what I, I did. No, that's literally what I just said. Yeah. So uh, this past weekend, I did the Barbenheimer challenge. Yes. I, I went, I, I guess I was more of a Oppen Barbie because I, I did it in Oppen the reverse Barbie, order. Sure, sure, sure. But I'm going to talk about all that this week. Excited to have everybody here. There was something else I wanted to mention at the top here. Uh, oh, no, I've forgotten it. I guess that's just the way. Oh, yes, just a little bit of tech news. Today's a big day, Keith, because big, the big old Twitter, the, the slow demise of Twitter, they changed it to just X. And I wanted to ask you right here at the top, uh-huh. does the name of an app or the or the logo changing, does any of that, do? You, is there any bit of you that thinks that matters or that cares at all? Uh, of course not, uh, but... What it is, is clearly just Elon Musk is so desperate for attention. Yep. And uh, he's, he's, he's sort of gone crazy. He, you know, it's, it happens when you become, you know, they, they say, you know, absolute power corrupts absolutely. I, I think he's just sort of gone nuts. And now he's just desperate for any type of attention, good, bad, or ugly. And this is just a look at me, mom, that has no purpose in a foundering company. It's kind of a little sad because... You know, you mentioned a few weeks ago how you were using, I think, was it was it Snapchat or TikTok or one of those things as sort of break, a breaking news app? Yeah, TikTok, yeah, sure. And that used to be Twitter. Twitter was the thing, if there was something, yeah. if there was breaking news, or X or whatever the hell it's called now, if there was breaking news, you could get kind of- I think of, he just changed the logo. I still think it's Twitter. I, uh, isn't it right? I don't, I don't know. I really, I woke up this morning thinking that we were kind of on indictment watch, and so I just saw this other news broke, so- 
Anyway, uh, I wanted to give a little, just a quick little uh, chat before I talk about the movies themselves. You know, the, the, the Barbenheimer meme, as kind of comic as it is, is actually, actually has some, some weight behind it because just kind of pulling up the stats here, as of this is Monday morning, so over the opening weekend box office for these films, Oppenheimer, which is a more limited scope because it's it's rated R, and I think it's more of a a cinephile flick. I don't you're not bringing your kids to it. You know what I mean? Uh, pulled in, it doubled projections and brought wow. in uh, eighty mil eighty point five million dollars. All right, which is enormous for a for a film of this type. Uh, right but, for an, an R rated three hour plus yeah, political drama. Film. Really, yeah. And Barbie, which was supposed to be a hit, or which was projected to be a hit, but nowhere near the $155 million. And it is pretty much generally accepted that they they played off each other. It was a really, it was a beautiful little duet. Many people, like myself, went to the theater, and a lot of people did the double showing. And ostensibly, they're both kind of movies that really do have some thematic resonance with one another. I mean, though it's more meta, it's, it's sort of about... Uh, the slow existential death of the human of condition. Society. Yeah, <laughs> I'll talk about them a little bit more. Hilarious. Uh, I, I will say right off the top, just kind of get into it. I had a, a great time, and what this weekend kind of gave me. I've talked a little bit about my return to the movie theaters. I'm, I'm kind of past the feeling weird about it and the people being there. Although I did move away from that guy a few weeks ago, but. The the difference this this kind of weekend was that groups of kid friends are back to the movies. Mm. Uh, you know, mom dropping off the kids, and then the the six to eight of them kind of grouping up and sharing popcorns and uh, lots of dates and lots of girl groups getting together and lots of du- dude pals hanging out at the movies. Much less single seaters like myself. At the theaters this weekend, a lot more groups. So I had to, you know, I had to employ my sit in the handicap assist seat tactic <laughs> so that I didn't have to be uh, near people, you know? Uh, so I guess, yeah, that's a different, that's a different story. <laughs> uh, it was great. It's, it was wonderful. And, and the theaters by me, it's really cool because they, they allow you to bring in your snacks. I mean, it's just, oh, nice. They say they don't, but they're not checking bags. So, you know, you could bring oh, in your candies as long as you, you know. You don't make a mess. So it was just like, it was a great return to the theater. It had a different vibe to it. It felt summer. It felt fun. And uh, it was cool. So, you know, maybe the box office is back. There, it's hard to say anymore. But they, people thought that uh, Tom Cruise would, after after the Top Gun giant drop last year, that Mission Impossible would be a hit. But Mission Impossible was kind of floundering this week. So it did all right, but it just wasn't. The top 10 is going to be, fascinating to look at this this summer you researching yeah. something keith oh I was, I was looking up mission impossible's budget versus what's it made i mean it's it has broken even mm-hmm. so far and uh so but but yeah no it was not the giant hit we were expecting so anyway yeah there's a bunch of other movies that i've been checking out uh, we'll we'll do a summer kind of recap later but it's uh, this this weekend was awesome oppenheimer i think i said it was my kind of most anticipated film of the summer and so I think it makes sense to start there, perhaps. Okay. It, it is mine, too, and I, I can't wait to watch it on my TV at home. Well, we'll get to that. We'll get to that. So <laughs> uh, remind me at the end of my kind of synopsis here, uh, 
there there are people who are doing dissertation reviews on this on this film, so I'm I'm not going to go into the whole <laughs> the whole thing. I'll give you my kind of impressions, uh, but then I want to talk about the format that I saw it in, the formats it's available in, and kind of the big the big hullabaloo about the tech of it all. Uh, so first thing I want to mention, uh, Keith and I, we've mentioned it before, we are in solidarity with the writers and this, the Screen and Actors the actors, Guild and, and sure. the actors yep. and everything. But I do want to 100%. shout out, this film uh, is based uh, on a screenplay by Christopher Nolan, which was based on American Prometheus by K. Bird and Martin Sherwin. Uh, the movie doesn't exist without the script and without the writers. Uh, and a gajillion people behind the scenes, but I wanted to point that out at the top. So, you know, right off the bat, this is about J. Robert Oppenheimer, the generally accepted inventor and father of the, the atomic bomb. And it, it elevates itself above just a straight up biopic by a really interesting plot device and pacing methodology, which I think is probably derivative, or not derivative, uh, divisive in some ways, um, because this this film, as many Nolan's films are, does not really care much about ensuring that you're following what's going on. <laughs> They're counting mm. on you to pay attention, to see what's up. They are not sugarcoating. A lot of the script is dialogue pulled from transcripts or dialogue pulled from the book or quote direct quotes. So, you know, that's, there's it's dense. It is dense. And I've mentioned this on one of our other podcasts, but I'll say it here for those who are just listening to this first. There's a, a line early on in the film where a teacher of Oppenheimer says to him, I'm paraphrasing, you can't look at sheet music and try to read it. You have to look at sheet music and hear it, right? To kind of explain the sort of mixing of worlds of the creative and math and theoretical physics which was kind of just burgeoning at this time. And it is about the creative process and the ramifications of the things you invent and then put out into the world and sort of the hubris of that, thinking that uh, since you've created it, now it's for the world to decide what to do with it. Are, and are you absolved of what it, it bears, what fruit it bears? So it's mm. it's there's kind of a heady thing about that. And one thing I really appreciate about the film is that Nolan is not, in my opinion, editorializing here. He he doesn't let anybody off the hook. He presents these huge conundrums, right? It's not just how do we build the bomb and should we build the bomb? I mean, it's easy to say, you know, well, the Nazi, we can't let the Nazis get it, so we gotta do it first. Is that good enough? It's easy yeah. to say, well, we could we could drop the bomb and make it a test and, and just show them and they'll be afraid or we have to, in Ampadabra's opinion here, we have to blow up a bunch of people, murder a lot of people, in to order more people. in order yeah. to save bigger. Is that is that the right ethical decision? Uh, nobody, there are no easy answers here, and nobody gets off the hook. And I think that's that's really great. So what what I think I'm going to use the analogy here is that this movie is a symphony with mm. three major movements. All right, so you've got this sort of creation and development and building of the bomb, which is a, a neat tag team, if you will, between the scientists who are theoretically developing the ideas and these hard construction guys, not construction, uh, engineering guys who are making it work, 
all right? Yep. Uh, on a race against the clock in the middle of Los Alamos, and they have to test it before the Potsdam conference so that the president can either, can like show his grit or basically, you know, he, he had to kind of, him and Stalin had a kind of head to head there. Anyway, so you've got that movement. You've got later in life, Oppenheimer is wrestling with the fallout of what he has wrought and mm. he's up for a security clearance and uh, there is some political theater taking place about whether they're going to uh, call him a commie <laughs> and re- and retract his his security clearance or if the science community and people are going to appreciate what he did for us as a country and and do it through so there's that political theater and then there is this later on political theater later in Oppenheimer's life where uh Robert Downey Jr plays uh a the, the head of the sort of Louis Strauss. Yes, Louis Strauss, who is up for a cabinet position at this point after kind of running the Atomic Commission. And what he wrought upon Oppenheimer, Oppenheimer's demise, is now coming back. And there's so there's these three major movements happening. What's really cool is that, unlike a symphony where these happen synchronously, or I'm sorry, uh, linearly, these three movements are weaving amongst one another throughout the film. Cool, yeah. And it's never arbitrary. I mean, anybody who knows Nolan's work knows that he edits these films within an inch of their lives. I mean, there is no fat. It is perfect. Which is impressive for a three-hour movie. Three There's hours, a lot to talk I would about. say it felt like 2.15. It really just, I just was blown away. Um, and and every time they're going to jump, there is a there is a, a perfect segue that's either visual or there's a line that drops that brings him back in his head. Uh, additionally, there's a lot of sequences shot in black and white, which, according to Nolan, show that they are objective sequences versus anything oh. in color are subjective based on oh, that's the imper- interpretation. Uh, cool. Another cool thing here is that, you know, when there's so much talking and so much it has to be drawn from just what characters are saying. There isn't a lot to show here, right? And there's so much dialogue and there's so much, there's so much the use of close up and, and just drama that has to be interpreted from the actors. Nolan is lucky to have an incredible rogues gallery here of, of incredible actors. In fact, there will be scenes that will go by. Well, Emily Blunt's in this movie, right? She plays his wife and there'll be scenes where she's out of focus, just tucked in a corner, and you have to squint to even realize that incredible treasure, American treasure, Emily Blunt, or cinema treasure. British treasure. Yeah, yeah, Emily Blunt is just sitting in the background, right? Mm. Or Casey Affleck comes in and delivers a line, and then you never see him again. And and just everybody is incredible. Killian Murphy here is just shouldered with an incredible... <laughs> uh, just gauntlet he has to run, and I think he does it incredibly. As you've probably heard, Robert Downey Jr. plays Strauss, and it gives just such a different Downey. He really reminds you that oh, I can do, I can do it all. I can do other things than yeah. quippy, quippy. And most impressively yeah. here is that the big thing you think the movie's leading up to, right? The big, the big boom. Mm-hmm. I don't want to give away how that's handled, but it is, it is not the way you expect. It is not a gigantic 
earth-shattering IMAX mm. explosion. They do it a different way. And you can see how they did it. Well, you can't see how they did it practically, but you know they did it practically. And it's it's beautifully terrible. Mm. And it's not the final act. It, yeah. it, it happens with plenty of movie to go. And it's just, I, 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 it's been a long time since I've sat in a movie throughout the entire credit sequence, not looking for an after credit sequence and not right. just paying, you know, a lot of times I like to respect. Setting that, up the uh, sequel. I'm back, baby. It just, I had so much to think about and there was just so much to kind of think through. On top of that, I would be remiss if I did not mention Probably the best cinematic score I have heard in f- five years to a decade. It's Ludwig Göransson. Mm. It is a combination of of synth, of symphonic sounds, of uh, of every. There's a staccato that kind of gives you a, a sensation of ticking, of time passing, of impending doom. Uh, so much. It is an incredible score. It, I believe it's out already. You should just just listen to it. Um, so it this movie is a triumph. I was on oh, the edge of my seat. I can't I wait to go see it again. In this movie. That's cool. Yeah, that's really cool. That, what a, what a cast. What right. a cast. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you can look it up. Or I mean, there's some. I guess I, I I hesitate to say anybody's too many names because there are some. Oh, also Matt Damon's in here for a pretty main part. Uh, really, really great. Lots of Broadway folks. Yep. It's uh. It, to a t- there is not a weak link in this movie. Just amazing. Uh, I thought I just I just loved it. I it, it 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 was a different movie than I expected, which is in the best of ways. You know, I really thought it was going to be more bombast than it was. Last point I want to make uh, to your point, Keith. Actually, the marketing of this movie is really pushing the audio visual, you know, go see it in IMAX. It was shot on IMAX film uh, in 70 millimeter. So uh, I have one in right here in King of Prussia, Pennsylvania. There is one of 30 film, 30 theaters nationwide yeah. that can play it. a real IMAX. Using IMAX, IMAX 70 millimeter, 15P, I don't even know what that even means to be honest with you, but the, the highest format you can get it. The film reel is 11 miles long and weighs 800 pounds. It is breaking IMAX projectors uh, in Los Angeles and some other places. So here's what I will say. And I, you know, this is, you can't get, you can't see it in a better theater. It didn't add anything to the movie. The movie Mm. is not, there is some loud sequences, some rumbling, there's some stuff, but nothing. And, and, and the, I, I, I love that we are, that Nolan is keeping film alive and that this marketing push is, is push people to see it on, on actual film filmed on film. I get it. I support all of that. It is not a necessity. I am seeing that for weeks out, these 70 millimeter film screenings are sold out. If you were interested in this film and you want the the theater, uh, the theater experience, which totally, you could go see it anywhere. You see it in any, go to your local Cineplex. You don't got to drive 80 miles to go, you know, just see it. Uh, it's, you don't need to see it on a big, the you know, and that's the other thing. If, if you're not, Jumping, chomping at the bit. There's no real spoilers to avoid. I mean, it's a it, right. Nothing yeah. s- surprising happens. This will be a great on uh, on demand. If you got good speakers and a good subwoofer, I think you'll be just fine. Which I do. Yeah. So that's my biggest surprise of the film is that oh, it mm. it, it wasn't like a IMAX spectacular that needs to be seen. In my opinion, that, that I don't think that has bearing whatsoever. I mean, it sounds fantastic. I can't wait to see it. 
Yeah, it's, uh, you know, it's it, some of the best experiences, we talk about this in live theater all the time, it's it's not just to go and, and feel one emotion, it's to feel all the emotions and, and have to have to wrestle with some questions. And look, I, <laughs> they don't say, hey, rah, rah, America, we're the good guys here, because uh, oh, clearly not. nobody <laughs> won. Nobody wins in no. this scenario. No, I mean the the like the ethical miasma that is this turn of events in human history is will it's a Gordian knot that will mm-hmm. never fully be entangled, unentangled. And the the real fun is to think, uh, hey, this is the smallest of the bombs. Yeah. Oh, they're way bigger now. Yeah. So yeah, uh, the ad impending doom, it's still there. It's it's be, we could blow up right now. That's that's every oh, yeah. second of every day. Yeah. I'll say these kids remember that, but it ha- nothing has changed. So Keith, then I took CEO Chancellor Jen Aww. to a, an eleven oh five screening of Barbie. What is wrong with you people? That's uh, when she got out of work. It's what we could do. Why don't you sleep? Uh, well, she did. She did for the last fifteen minutes. <laughs> Which is not a. Why do you pay money to sleep in public? Which is not a, a judgment on the film. I should mention she just was tired, and then I kept waking her up because I was like, "So, all right, so Barbie from all the trailers, you know, it looked like it was going to be a great little satire, fun thing. Uh, it, it's a tough needle to thread because you know, let's be honest, it, it's hard to write a movie, Keith. You know, you write that's has to appeal to grown-ups, men, grown-ups. Girl power, girl groups, kids who buy toys. And And the company that sells those toys. Yes, well, we're going to get to that. So Barbie is written by, no movie without the writers, Greta Gerwig. You might know from Juno. You might know from, what's that other one? Is it Lady Bird? I think it's Lady Bird. Yes, Lady Bird. So she knows how to write an angsty an angsty existential script. Uh, also, uh, it was also wrote, written by Noah Baumbach, based on Barbie by Mattel. And it stars the aforementioned Margot Robbie as prototypical Barbie, uh, Ryan Gosling. But there are also great appearances by America Ferreira, Kate McKinnon, Michael Sarah, Ariana Greenblatt, Seema uh, Lou, Issa Rae, Rhea Perlman, Will Ferrell. I mean, great cast. I expected a fun romp. I mean, that was my... Keith, this movie is excellent. It is partially a musical, right? Oh, the, not not that they sing so much, but that there is there is song that is taking place that is describing the scene and how everything's, everything's awesome in Barbie world. Uh, there are also three semi-meta plots taking place concurrently, much like Oppenheimer. There's uh, a juxtaposition of... You know, for the kids, there's a Barbie in Barbie world, and everything is it's a it's a matriarchy in Barbie world. And then mm-hmm. f- for plot devices, she beco- comes to the real world where there's a patriarchy, and so it's like a straight up dr- dramatization juxtaposition of the patriarchy versus the matriarchy, good, bad, ugly, in between. And I think it's actually one of the better parts of the movie. It is cutting. It doesn't take any prisoners. It doesn't cheap itself out. Uh, there is also a story about <sighs> coming from me. This sounds really funny, but it's a story about how women. It's so impossible to be a woman currently uh, in our society that even toys that are made to represent the ideal 
ideals, ideal ideas of being a woman and how it's possible to do anything, even they are judged harshly and unfairly, even the toys. So it's this kind of meta thing. And uh, I think America Ferrera kind of in, in the 11 o'clock number of this gives a monologue about being a woman. And it, I, mm. I truly think as a man, at least, I've never heard the struggle of womanhood articulated in words so poetically and impactfully as this monologue. And really? it, as a guy, I was like, oh, it really kind of made me see some things I hadn't seen before, which is like very high praise. Also, the camp is pitch perfect camp when they do it. Uh, Ryan Gosling, great example. Uh, Michael Sarah, who plays a character, Alan. It, it, one of the fun things about this movie is much like your Nintendo, uh, your Mario movie, and your Lego movie, every character you see, every toy you see, every costume you see is based on a property that is actually in the Barbie pantheon, right? Right. Which so, has a long history. Long history. Of- and so I didn't catch maybe 2% of all of that stuff, but they do a cool post credit sequence where they show the Oh, cool. The I stuff. Like that. And they highlight, and the, and Helen Mirren is a narrator who kind of does meta commentary on the film. There's a part where they're talking about how Barbie can't be beautiful all the time, and Helen Mirren comes in and says, "Note to filmmakers: casting Ryan Gosling and Margot Robbie is not the are they not the best actors to 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 prove this point? Like little snippets right, yeah. like that, sort of like pop up video funny. type stuff, yeah. and all of that works. And they play the camp so straight that it works. It, there's no wink and nod. There's no I mean, Ryan Gosling is chewing the scenery, but still makes a commentary about how. It, I'll I'll leave it to you. It's 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 really really strong. The only weakness in this film, and I hate to even lean too heavy into it because it's, I don't want to take away from all the positives, is that there's also, the only people they don't hang out to dry, clearly is Mattel. Right, they do it course. by making them instead of. They make the points, right? There's They make the bullet points. Oh, it's a company making girls' toys run all by men. And uh, how could that be? And, you know, they they want to capture Barbie and put her back in the box. You know, it's very sure. schlocky. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, instead of making them sniveling, let's have Will Ferrell be the head of it, and let's just have him doing Will Ferrell, which is great and funny, but you can't be mad at him, and it's goofy, and, uh, you know... And so they really end up letting them off the hook, which you know they had to do. They, Greta Gerwig does her absolute damnedest to make a point, but it's hard to make that point when they rubber stamp the movie. But that said, I think it's up there, maybe surpassing the Lego movie in self-awareness and being able to tell a story without getting lost in the toy of it all. Yeah. And uh, hats off to Margot Robbie, who gives Barbie this Barbie character a, an existential journey in this film, which is heartfelt and means something. And it's just a absolute banger of a movie. The soundtrack and the needle drops are excellent. It is funny. It is bright. It is a party. It is moving. It is under two hours. It's all of the things you kind of want. And so, Keith, the the Barbenheimer spectacular was a two for two for me. I cannot wait. And guess what? As much as it was, I felt like it was written for adults. You could absolutely take your. It doesn't need to be PG thirteen. Yeah. You could absolutely take your kids to this. There's a couple some sexual innuendo that I think would go right over their heads. It really empowering. I think take the kids for all these pe- this people coming for the woke mob. Go f yourself. 
this film is great. 100%. That's all I have to say. So yeah, two I for mean, two that, on Barbieheimer. I mean, and honestly, like I'm, I'm in on both of these movies. Like mm-hmm. I, I actually genuinely look forward to seeing them both. Um, I, yeah, I told the story a couple of weeks ago that I, I saw the trailer for Barbie, um, very early i got paid five dollars to watch the oh trailer yeah, that's for right Barbie. at the mall or whatever at the mall and and i was like damn this looks really good so i was i'm i'm actually excited for both uh for all the reasons that you liked it uh yeah so that that sounds great two thumbs up for barbenheimer i'm gonna have my own barbenheimer in about uh four months in my basement <laughs> uh, I think they. I think that's like a three week. I think Nolan's gonna be a little longer, but I think Barbie might see sooner. Although if they're making all the money, they might keep the movies as long as they can. Yeah, well, I'm also not gonna pay for it, so I, it, I'll wait for it to come up on a streaming service. So that'll be a little longer. Yeah. All right. So, so. Keith, uh, I'm really fascinated by by what you want to talk about this week. So okay. I'm gonna, well, I'm let you go. It, it's interesting that we talk about the value of film and the value of shooting things on film, uh, because you know, as we've talked about many times. Um, Mike is like, boom, boom, boom on contemporary stuff. And I'm like, nope, I'm watching something from the 90s, something from the 80s and the old timey kind of stuff. And I realized that um, one of the great things about today is not only the ubiquitous ability to have every TV show that's ever existed for most of them. Like it's right there. Every every episode, every shot, it's right there on your Hulu. It's on your Netflix. It's on your whatever. And it's really great to have access to all of that because it's so different than when everything first aired where if you didn't see it when it aired you had to either pull out your vhs tape and tape it or you just missed it Mm -hmm. so um you know if you just lived a normal life it was nearly impossible to see every episode of everything that aired in the 80s and 90s or, or even 60s and 70s um and so that's great But one of the other great things that has happened is that a lot of these properties are getting remastered and getting redone. And it's really uh, great to be able to see these things better than they ever looked when they aired in the first place. And obviously, we talk about Trek constantly on all of our other shows, but they did that for the original series and for Next Gen, but have not done for Deep Space Nine and Voyager, and that is a travesty, and everybody, you know, I don't think I'm preaching to the choir here. They need to go back and do that. Um, But what I don't think I noticed until I started going back and watching various properties for various reasons is that they've done that for a lot of television. Mm -hmm. They've done it for Cheers and MASH and Frasier and Next Gen and and SVU, which we have an example here. You know, all the Law and Orders have, have gone back and they've been redone and i'll tell you why they can do that because a lot of these shows were shot on 35 millimeter film and then subsequently put to tape Mm. right so um before it was broadcast in standard definition so that by the time they were broadcast on your television their best case scenario was 480i but it was like 320 by 240 most of the times but these were shot on 35 millimeter film, which is what they do cinematic movies on. Um, and so they kept all of that footage in the archives at Paramount or, or CBS or, or whatever. And so today they can go back and rescan that 35 millimeter film and then be able to broadcast again or sell on Blu-ray or whatever. Wildly better resolution versions of these same shows um now upgraded and it's not upscaled it's mm-hmm. rescanned mm-hmm. um and so you have all of a sudden you're watching i was you know you watch mash right 
mash from the 70s it's in pristine high definition um and then uh and then you see well okay here's our next problem and we we did this with uh with the star trek shows when you upgrade to high definition by rescanning all of the negatives of the original film you have a choice to make because for television properties up until high def came out we were on four by three so we were in a box kind of similar to what we're looking at here uh, with Mike and I. Um, but of course, our contemporary televisions are 16 by 9. It's widescreen. So each of these shows, these properties, have a sort of choice to make on whether or not you uh, present it in its original 4 by 3 <clears throat> or the footage that they took was certainly 16 by 9 Is it possible to either zoom in and crop a little bit of the top and bottom to fill the screen or are you in your negatives? Did you actually have more footage wide that you can use um, to rebroadcast these shows? And I think it's really show by show whether or not that's possible. Um, and for, for Star Trek, it's not really possible because that, you know, like sitting right outside of the frame was the, you know, was the plywood set, and they were just were not thinking in terms of of having that extra space there be anything we can use. But a show like SVU or any of the Law and Orders, well, it was usually shot on location. So unless you had somebody standing in the in the frame, uh, you can just you know zoom out a little bit and uh, and have a now completely contemporary looking uh, show. But now 16 by 9, and it's it's really, really great to have the ability to do that. Um, and it's, it's exciting because you're able to watch these, these original properties um, so much better than was ever broadcast. And it feels contemporary because it's in high def and it's, it's widescreen. However, uh, one problem you might find, and I was just watching a random episode of SVU, which we see here uh, on our screen, and... Uh, Sometimes they don't plan for uh, mm. they, don't, they don't they don't plan for the sixteen by nine, and you you'll see mistakes. Is that the camera? And that is a camera and a boom mic in the mirror there in that episode, <laughs> uh, because they clearly cropped it before the edge of the camera for four by three, and weren't thinking about that. Um, so, look, sometimes you're going to see a camera. Sometimes mm -hmm. you're going to see you know a, a boom mic or or a or someone. Piece of the you know someone in the crew standing on the side, and we see that sometimes in stuff that isn't hasn't been rescanned or recropped. That just sort of happens as part of life and and human history, and it's definitely not worth their time and budget to go and digitally remove it for an old TV episode. Uh, but for me, the that's part of the bargain. I'm fine with it. You know, you don't notice it 95 percent of the time. Um, I'm so grateful that they went back and, and redid all of these things. Yeah, sometimes it's, it's not so jarring or it, there's like a there's a, a nostalgic warmth to watching some things in four by three or whatnot. I still, you know, I, I had been watching Deep Space Nine expanded to 720, but you kind of, because, well, is there really a technical limitation? We wanted the screenshots to be in four three, but you had me kind of go back and watch it in four three, and I've been watching that in four three, and it kind of works. It, that show was it, it's it's working well, that you, way. I mean, you you have to because yeah. you don't. It's it's you know, digitally upscaled, so it's, it's yeah, it's AI upscaled, but it's yeah. not. But 
Keith, interestingly, you mentioned that about going going wide and, and the resources and, and the negatives and such, because as like a dirt simple example, so this screenshot you're looking at, if you happen to be watching us with us on YouTube, you can see where the kind of brown, dark oak uh, door mirror thing, that uh, that was basically the four by three shot from there to his shoulders, right? So I just popped this into the beta of, of Photoshop just to make it 1080 or 4K so I could put it into our 16 by nine aspect yeah. ratio here. And it just like interpreted what the room should look like and built out the room, right? So that's yeah. <laughs> it. That's just AI. None of that is, from his right shoulder to the edge, take away the atomic bomb, I just had that impending in all of our shots. That's all just g generated by by Photoshop. That's, yeah. so, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. to do that frame by frame for a whole show would be pretty a crazy undertaking, but we're not far from it is what I'm saying. We're not, we're not far, yeah. yeah, yeah. In fact, I remember maybe 10 years ago, yeah, yeah, it's a while now. I uh, had a friend who's who claims that not claim who's stands by uh, the Shield being one of the best shows ever made. I just I just rewatched it and and uh, you know kind of the beginning of the antihero archetype and and whatnot. Right. And I started and it I got it on DVD and it was it was a four three DVD and I just yep. couldn't do it. And I wonder now. By now, it must be. It in is. It's on. It's, I, I just rewatched it in on Hulu yeah. in 1080, so, and, and that's one they did choose to go 16 by nine on. So um, what you're saying is my patience has has paid off. Your patience, your patience has has paid up. Yeah, the shield. I have I have like a season one like Emmy screener of the pilot huh. for that on my bookshelf somewhere. I, I forgot how I got it, but okay. So uh, yeah. So yeah. what? And in fact, like what other shows? I'm trying to think that have been upscaled I mean, to so many things. all of them yeah. that are being broadcast, all of the old school. So you can go back to like, I love Lucy and like mm -hmm. Honeymooners. And that has been rescanned. Anything shot on film can be done. If it's shot on video, mm -hmm. which is why a lot of some of the, the live stuff, the reality stuff, you know, the, uh, you know, uh, anything, any, all the WWE stuff, all the wrestling mm -hmm. stuff that was all that was all done live, so it's on tape. The NFL footage, it's all done on tape, not on film. We talked about this not so long ago because I, I, I've, I think about your favorite movies. What you don't recognize is that the majority of times you saw those favorite movies was on VHS or was on early digital media, in which they were just like bad scans Real of bad. bad film. So yeah. now a lot of these Criterion Collection, Blu-rays, or streaming services are doing like 11K, 18K scans yeah. of the originals that they've cleaned up, the, the and, and they look incredible. I just watched League of Their Own in yeah. 4K, like 18K, or a 4K uh, cleanup scan, and it yeah. looks like it was released yesterday. Yeah, I mean, it, it's it stuff, even stuff that's 50 years old looks better now than it ever has mm -hmm. um yeah. and that's that's really exciting hurry up and do deep space nine and voyager for god's yeah. sake yeah he's not wrong he's uh, not wrong I, I understand you've got to redo the visuals but like you can redo the visuals on an iphone now like suck it up all right so there it is well keith though the bomb is still impending as it as it sees here we we, we would be remiss if we didn't do a weekly rad uh, what's what, what would you like to chat about this week Oh, well, just my my weekly rat is is uh, this week I went out and I visited some friends um, out in Connecticut, some some uh, dear old friends who uh, now have 
have a one-year-old and a four-and-a-half-year-old, and it was just so much fun running around Connecticut and uh, eating really good food and playing with kids and being outside. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm just throwing in a plug there for go go see your old friends. Mm-hmm. Like like in person. Don't in zoom person. in. In person. Now, now, it's, now it's safe, mm-hmm. uh, which is, you know, with all the obvious caveats. Um, but it was, uh, it was really delight. And as somebody without kids, right. To, uh, to go hang out with kids. They're, they're really fun. And, uh, I, I, I brought a, uh, I, I brought an RC car, which she called a monster truck, huge hit, <laughs> just like running around with a monster truck. Super, super fun. Built a little, got, brought, got one of those little like, uh, floor pianos that you can, you can walk on and play like for, the big? The, uh, for the, for the little one, uh, a delight uh, go see your friends. Go have go have some real conversations. You know, put the kids to bed. You know, talk like adults. Run around. It's uh, it's been a delight. And so, you know, that's my weekly rant. Go see your friends. Yeah, I'll second friendship. I'll second friendship anytime. Uh, I want to mention briefly uh, a new podcast slash YouTube show. It is a podcast called Full House Rewind. It is being run uh, by Dave Coulier, who you might know as an old comedian or from as Uncle Joey on Full House. Full House was kind of the cornerstone of TGIF on ABC. Anybody, One of the less problematic cast members of yeah. that show. Uh, well, you know, yeah, they've all had, you know, it's much like life, Keith, there's ups and downs. Uh, uh, but it was a show that still has, a, still in syndication, still beloved. And uh, Dave Coulier here is doing a family-friendly semi-recap of each episode, all 192 episodes uh, with interviews. Uh, just the first episode has dropped uh, where he interviews uh, Jeff Franklin, who, I think it's Jeff Franklin. Um, let me look here. Let me look, make sure I know. Yeah, Jeff Franklin, who wrote the show, was the showrunner, was his his property. And it talks about the casting process. It talks about the old sort of sitcom studio how it worked and how, you know, getting a hit sitcom is sort of like lightning in a bottle. And they talk a little bit about that. They do a nice tribute to, uh, Bob Saget. Saget. Uh, and I know that our friend of our old show, uh, Marla Sokoloff is going to be on some episodes coming up. John Stanless is going to be on some episodes. Uh, I'm sure Jody Sweden will pop by and, and whatnot. And I, what I really love about it is that it's, it is family friendly, and there's it's there's no snark. There is no snark. He is playing mm. it completely straight. He's got some goofy characters for the kids. It's you know it's definitely not uh, your normal podcast vibe like us, but even, even us with like a <laughs> snark or a kind. It's it's very wholesome. Even at the end, uh, he does. They play this the violins <laughs> like at the end of it, and he does like a, a virtual hug, which I thought was going to be hokey, but actually was so heartfelt that it I felt it. Uh, it's cool to see, you know, it's the first episode. I've gone back and watched our first episodes of stuff and we're not, we're, we're bad. Yeah. And, and he has some room to grow and I think it's going to be cool to see him grow. I, I, I've always wanted more for, for Dave Coulier. I think he's just a, I think I really dig him. And this is a start of a podcast company. He started Podco it's called. So anyway, you can catch it. There's a YouTube channel you can subscribe to, or, uh, there's, you know, it's on your Apple tunes. It's called full house rewind with Dave Coulier it uh, gave me all the nostalgic feels, and it's I've added something wholesome to my podcast repertoire, and I uh, I recommend it to y'all. Wholesome podcast. You can't get one from us, but you no. can get one from Dave Coulier. So, Keith, I think that's it. So let's go ahead and bring it home. Guys, 
Have a great week. Happy Monday. Whatever happens with you this week, wherever you're headed to, whatever you've got on tap, we are there with you. But remember, along the way, don't let anyone yuck your yum. Keep on doing the things you find fun. Go out there, see a friend, and keep on geeking off.